You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. We made it to a Friday somehow. Come on in, stay a while. Gang's all here. It's a meat Friday, in case you're wondering, living vicariously through our Traeger Grills. Diablo grilled chicken thighs. What? Balsamic Brussels sprouts with bacon. Who has it better than us? Nobody. Play of the day, poll question, stat of the day, all of that forthcoming. Now, I know there's great games to talk about this weekend. And I know that we could recap what happened last night, the Taysom Hill experiment. But I got to lead with the obvious. Brian Kelly was introduced to the (laughs) LSU fan base at a basketball game. He is from Massachusetts. I think... Southern Massachusetts. So let's key in on the word Southern Massachusetts because Brian Kelly has been in Louisiana for three days, four days, and it feels like he has absorbed part of the community, and this was part of his speech last night. Well, this is a great way to get started, and I haven't even won all my games yet. It's a great night. To be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans, and to be part of what is going to be an incredible ride here at Louisiana State University. Wait, how long does it take to get an accent? With my family, it is great to be here. What we've got here is... (laughs) And I haven't even won all of my games. This this strikes me as when Madonna went to London and she came back with an English (laughs) accent. Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, at least Madonna was married to Guy Ritchie. It took a couple of years. Gwyneth Paltrow went to London for a weekend and came back with an accent. My family, and I haven't even won all my games. Dad Gummit. Dad Gummit? Did he drop it? No, I don't think he said Dad Oh, that's a Bobby Bowden's <laughs> Dad Gummit. Who knows what he's going to sound like by next season. Hey, Coach, how are you doing? Hey, Dan, great to be on with you. Is he going to be like Matthew McConaughey? Wow, that didn't take long. Yeah, Paul. Dan, here's how it's going to sound in about a year. Well, Dan, that's what I was going to say, actually. It's been a hell of a year here. So you're going to sound like Ed Orgeron. That's going to be a lot of screaming and a lot of spicy food. And that's what hopefully go Tigers. Go Tigers. Oh, I couldn't resist. I'm like, oh, my God, that's the lead of the show. Ryan Kelly's got a Southern... Now, Paulie, it's Southern Massachusetts he's from? It's South Central Massachusetts, <laughs> Everett, Mass. It's not the Southern tip of the state. Down yonder. There's a movie called Fletch Lives. It's with Chevy Chase, and where he goes back to Louisiana, and he inherits a, a, a farm from his mom and, uh, or a relative, and he does a fake Southern accent in parts of the movie. That, that's not what it sounds like. I, I kept going, wait, you know, sometimes if, if I'm in Ireland... I can sort of sound a little more Irish, but it's not when I... I went to Australia to do a story on Sean Bradley. I didn't come home with an Australian accent. 
Or when I went to Rio for the Olympics. Or when I went to London for the Olympics. Or I went to Sochi for the Olympics. I didn't come back with accents. My family, they haven't even won all my games. Although if he wins, then nobody's going to care about that. They're going to be like, hell yeah, he's one of us. Yes, yeah, he. I can't wait for him to start dropping like the southern expressions, like ah, "that's finer there than a frog hair split four ways." You see, <laughs> what? It's better than chicken in a sack. <laughs> I'd like to have some sweet tea, please. <laughs> All right, coach. That fellow there, he thinks the sun comes up just to hear him crow. <laughs> What, what was the um, Doc Hollywood oh, yeah. with Michael J. Fox? <laughs> you know, where, where he's you know on his way to L.A. and he stops in in some little podunk town. And, uh, you know, everybody got them accents like that. He starts picking up the accent <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I lived in Atlanta a couple of years. I never had an accent. Y'all didn't have an accent? No, though? I didn't. No, I did not. I couldn't resist. Uh, welcome to the program. Already in progress, obviously. Make sure you go to danpatrick.com. we got a lot of great gift ideas there for we uh, for you and for we. For we, go to danpatrick.com. Be able to get some good stuff there. This program brought to you by Impeller. Empower your investment portfolio. Opportunities in Puerto Rico. Impeller, new online tool, connects investors with innovative projects on the island. Available now, Impeller. Is your hub for investment opportunities in Puerto Rico. Learn more at investpr.org slash impeller. You know, it's a Friday, newsy. You want to think positive things. We've got to meet Friday here. Uh, the great Brady Quinn, who's not happy with Brian Kelly and the way he left Notre Dame, is going to join us coming up here in a moment. And uh, we'll have a poll question. Play of the day, stat of the day. It's official. Marcus Freeman is the new Notre Dame head coach. Notre Dame just announced that, so... All the great work behind the scenes with a lot of these college football insiders to uh, bring you the uh, news there that this was going to happen. Tommy Reese will stay on as the offensive coordinator. Yes, Paul. Dan, this is exciting. Marcus Freeman, who I think is originally from Ohio, but he's really embracing the fighting Irish culture. We have a little audio from him just getting the job. Oh, okay. Ah, Dan, I'm happy to accept it. (laughs) Wow. Head coaching position (laughs) here for the fighting Irish. (laughs) Wow, he's embracing it. That didn't take long. Okay, I like it. Not actual sound. Yeah. Oh, it's not. That was not. Oh, that's not. Oh, you, you tricked, couldn't tell. You tricked me again. Yeah, Dan. Um, we should be in a happy mood. It's a Friday, right? Paulie, of course, usually isn't. He's got a mean-spirited poll question. Paulie, you want to unleash your mean-spirited poll question? We're seven minutes. We're eight minutes into this program today. And we're, we're skewing mean. I preface this by saying no offense. <laughs> and I'm a fan of Taysom Hill as a football player. Okay. I think he's a very interesting and impactful football player. Just give us the poll question. What is the worst sports experiment ever? Taysom Hill at quarterback, the XFL, <laughs> Fox's glowing puck with hockey, Michael Jordan playing baseball, or wow. other. I'm laying it on thick because... Wow. Wow. I don't think this is the right move as, as a franchise. Well, okay. Either commit to Taysom Hill or not. Now, you've committed financially. Commit to him. That's it. I know he's you know been in concussion protocol, but just commit to him. See if you have Lamar Jackson light. you got a fascinating talent there. Here is Taysom Hill assessing what went wrong last night in the loss to the Cowboys. 
I'm not going to rush to any conclusions, having not seen the, the tape or anything. But I feel like we did some things really well tonight, and then we did some things really poorly. Obviously, it's tough to win a game when you turn the ball over four times. That's really what jumps out. Coming into the season, the big concern with the Cowboys was going to be their defense because they certainly struggled on that side of the ball in 2020. And they were hoping that Micah Parsons coming in, you hire defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, you got a really good cornerback in Trayvon Diggs, and you're thinking, if you get any kind of defense, Dallas with that offense is going to be a Super Bowl contender. And they might be, but... The defense feels like it's holding up its end of the bargain, and the offense is not. You know, and, and I'm not making this out to be this is doomsday defense in Dallas because they've struggled, but you do have two great players on the other side of the ball. You got a guy who can get after the quarterback, and you have a shutdown corner. They're young, they're inexpensive, and with Micah Parsons there, you know what's going to be curious is how he is labeled because he came in as a linebacker you want to be an edge rusher because your your salary is comparable to your position and if you're an edge rusher now all of a sudden you go i want tj watt money that's how this works as a linebacker who are you going to be compared to bobby wagner luke keekley even though he doesn't play anymore like that's not where you make your money as an edge rusher, you do. But Micah Parsons was fascinating because there were concerns with him at Penn State. Great athlete. Nobody questioned that. Size-wise, there was some concerns. But you come in to the NFL as a linebacker, and people at the time said, well, you don't spend a first-round pick on a linebacker. But he was not. This is where you draft somebody and you say, oh, you're a linebacker. No, you're drafting a football player. That's who he is. Because if you look back, you know, Troy Palomalu was just a football player. Ed Reed, just a football player. Brian Erlocker played safety in college. You're drafting guys because they're football players. And Micah Parsons is just that. He's a great football player. It's not, here's your designation. You're a linebacker. I always go back, you know, Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas was always fascinating because he was a great player. Athletic, played for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he just had an innate ability to get to the quarterback. And I don't know if somebody said, well, he's he's an edge rusher. He's a linebacker. Lawrence Taylor didn't have a position. Lawrence Taylor was, this is what I want to do on this play. And Micah Parsons is that kind of player. He is a disruptor. And when your guy is faster than anybody on their side of the ball, that's a real distinct weapon and then you throw in Diggs, who has nine interceptions this year those are the kind of players who can keep you in games or win you games in the playoffs the offense is still what concerns me because that should be a great offense and i didn't think it was great offense without those four interceptions you know we might be talking about something different here dak has still not played great I've said for a long time, Pollard, to me, makes more sense than Zeke does, but they signed him up to that you know, second contract. Pollard is really good. But you got CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper. Now's the time where you got a couple of divisional games coming up, Giants and the Washington football team. I wouldn't be surprised if they get picked off by one of those two teams coming up. But 
No, you're you're trying to figure this team out. And we're trying to figure out everybody. Like Green Bay has been injured. How good are they? Uh, Tampa Bay, now no Antonio Brown suspended for three games for lying about his uh, vaccination card. Uh, Arizona, you all in on Arizona? The Rams got them figured out. Like there's questions with everybody here, certainly in the NFC. But Dallas should be great. I mean, you don't have that much competition in the division. I mean, is Washington capable of being good? Yes. The Giants capable? Yeah. But you got to dominate. And they should be having a home field advantage. And they're not going to. And then you're going to be on the road. And then that just sort of exacerbates what your issues are. You don't want to go to Green Bay. You don't. Not in January. Late January. And that's where Dallas could be headed. But I'm watching this team and I keep thinking, what are they missing? Got everything. They, they do offensively. I mean, I'm not the biggest Mike McCarthy fan. Dan Quinn stepped in as the head coach. But that team should be great. With these two defensive players and that offense, they should be great. And they're not. And I think that's, that's what's surprising. Do you know the um, draft comp for Micah Parsons? A fellow linebacker. Played on the West Coast college-wise. Yes, Paul? I was going to go Roquan Smith when he was at Georgia. Okay. Speed guy. Okay. At linebacker. All right. Miles Jack. Miles Jack. UCLA. That was the uh, comp. Yeah, McLovin. Miles Jack, six and a half sacks in six years. So I don't think He's that... already surpassed <laughs> Miles Jack. <laughs> yep. Uh, he's got, what, 10 sacks already this year? Miles Jack's not making it about himself. He's a team guy. That's I like that. Okay. All right. All right. Play of the day, stat of the day. What's the poll question, McLovin? I put up Paulie's mean, snarky one. Worst sports okay. experiment. Wow. That's not fair to Taysom Hill. Well... Taysom Hill ran for 100 yards yesterday. They should use him like Cordell Patterson. Cordell Patterson does not throw the ball. He's a fantastic all-purpose player, but they don't try to force him into a quarterback. They're trying to force Taysom Hill in at quarterback, and he's not bad, but rarely can you win a Super Bowl with a not bad, questionable decision-making quarterback. Yes, McLevin. Uh, I was going to say, by the way, I, Paulie rejected my other poll. Oh. Meanly. He okay. sa- I said, if you could only watch one of these college games, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Iowa, Cincinnati, Houston, Oklahoma State, Baylor – Pitt Wake Forest, he said he's not doing that. He's not going to watch this one. Well, no, but that that's not part of this. the answer. You can watch one. But that like sounds like torture, like not being able to see all these games. Right? I, I might take Pitt, Pitt versus Wake, believe it or not. Like that to me is going to be fun. And Michigan-Iowa could be a slugfest, crooked numbers in there. Houston-Cincinnati, you know, Houston's fun, but Cincinnati can't let off the accelerator here. Um, Baylor, Oklahoma State, a little bit. Even Oregon, Utah tonight. I'm interested in it. Doesn't mean anything. Yes, Todd. As fun as some of those other games are, and I'm going to watch at least some of them in part, you got to go with something where there's something on the line, where they're going to make these final rankings noon Sunday, yeah. and it's got to be one of the So which one is I'd it? I would have to take Georgia-Alabama. I know we, the same teams and all that mm. kind of argument, and it may not end up being the best game of all of them, but that is still the juiciest, whether we like it or not. Yeah, but if Georgia wins, you're going, okay. 
Like what's so then you're going uh, did Alabama lose in a way that will keep them in the final four? I guess some of it's the hype of the Georgia. Georgia defense. loses, Georgia's in the final four. For me. Like Cincinnati, do I expect them to beat Houston? Yes, they should. Michigan against Iowa is tricky. Uh, Pitt and Wake Forest, that's just entertainment purposes. By the way, the current Heisman odds, I'll have those for you. And the guy that I'm voting for, well, thinking of voting for, is not in the one, two, three, four, five, top six. We'll take a break. Brady Quinn will join us. We'll see if he's still upset at Brian Kelly for the way he left South Bend. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. You want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically. Actually, if I was saying this to Brian Kelly, I might go, with no limit on how much you can earn, how amazing is that? Discover's accepted at 99% of the places in the United States, including Louisiana. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing the word yes more often. Learn more. Discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitation. Blah. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Set up a poll question here, I believe. we got a play of the day, stat of the day. I got Heisman odds, then we'll talk to Brady Quinn. Bryce Young is your favorite. Uh, then it's C.J. Stroud, uh, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, Aiden Hutchinson, he's the defensive end at Michigan, Kenneth Walker, running back at Michigan State. Nobody from the Georgia defense is mentioned, Paulie? They don't have an alpha guy like, a, remember the David Pollock type year or a, a LeVar Arrington? They don't have a guy with crazy stats and crazy image. Well, but is there anybody better than uh, Davis? Jordan Davis? No, he's 6'6", 340, and they say he's the key to their whole defense because you can't get around him. Man. That, that's who I'm leaning towards because who has been the most important player in college football or – unit then i have to factor that in that georgia has the reason why they're probably going to play for a national championship is their defense yeah paul the heisman favorites it's very weird bryce young could lose and it's hard to win a heisman after a loss on national tv cj stroud's not playing Ohio state matt corral's not playing Ole miss kenny pickett no one really cares about nationally no offense he'll do great in the draft aiden hutchinson had a monster game against ohio state and led uh, his team to the, the two spot, the defensive end yeah, for Michigan. I know. I know. Yeah, he could be in there. Yeah, this guy was uh, finished third, I think, in the Heisman balloting, uh, two thousand six. Troy Smith won, Darren McFadden, and then uh, Brady Quinn, the uh, former Notre Dame Fighting Irishman, joining us on the program. What did you get for being a finalist uh, for the Heisman Trophy, Brady? Uh, a trip to New York. And uh, I got to sit there for a while and watch someone else get the reward. Now it was it was uh, look it was a good experience. You got to be around a lot of the other past greats in college football. Um, it's obviously an honor just to be in consideration for it. And that's you know that's gonna be the interesting part about this year in listening to your discussion is you know there really should be probably six or seven guys that go. You know they base it technically on the balloting or voting yeah. and that point system that they have and how many guys get first place, second place, third place votes. But the reality is it's hard to think that there's not going to be a, a 
you know, there's probably going to be hard to d- distinguish between who, you know, should be the guy this year. I think if you're looking at the best quarterback play, that would be Bryce Young, in my opinion. Um, I think he's been the best quarterback from wire to wire, even though last week's game he struggled mightily. However, he did come up when they needed it the most. Um, Kenny Pickett's the most valuable to his team. I don't know that Pitt's anywhere close to playing an ACC championship game if he's not there. So you could probably make a case for him. You know, I heard you talking about Jordan Davis, and that's probably the downside of playing that position, is as good as you can be as a defensive tackle. When you play on the interior of the D-line, it's everyone else around you who's more often than not uh, going to be able to have success. And it's, and you're, but you're still doing your job and you're dominant, but it just doesn't get appreciated the same way as Aiden Hutchinson, for example, who you could make the case is the best player in college football with the way he's played this year as a defensive end. And in their biggest moment, you know, last week, he had his Heisman moment yeah. uh, as far as three sacks, 15 pressures, which is unheard of. <laughs> I mean, you can make the case that he's as deserving of it as anyone. Um, let me let me start with uh, Brian Kelly, um, his departure. I know that you being a, a Notre Dame Fighting Irishman, um, how could he have done it differently, better, uh, more tactfully? He could have waited. He, he literally could have just waited a week. If LSU wanted Brian Kelly that bad, or let me put it this way, if Coach Kelly wanted to leave Notre Dame, the most tactful way he could have done it is say to LSU, look, I, I want to come there. You want me. Let's just push, push this thing off a week because if we have a chance to win and it works out this weekend where they're actually in the college football playoff, I want to go finish this job and try to coach this team to a national championship. And you should want that because you should want me to do the same thing if I'm in that position at LSU. And, and the reason why I, I, I say that is in part for the players – the coaches, everything that he was able to accomplish during his time at Notre Dame, that's just the proper way to do it. And also, though, for LSU, because he's already done this before to Cincinnati. He built them up, got them to a a New Year's Six game, and then left before that bowl game. And then now he's become the all-time winningest head coach in Notre Dame and left again at a time where you're going, you could have just waited a week to see if they're playing for it. And if if the team was playing for a New Year's Six and they don't make it in, so be it. No one's going to hold it against you. But now I, I kind of warn LSU fans, you know, he's poked around at wanting to coach in the NFL at some point. You know, what would exclude him from having a couple great seasons at LSU, which, you know, they'll probably have some, you know, have success. And then he starts wanting to leave to go take an NFL job. I mean, the timing's a little different because of the seasons, but um, that's where I just say, if he just would have waited a week, I don't know that anyone would be upset about him wanting to leave for $95 million and where he feels like he's got a better chance of winning a national championship. That's his own prerogative. But the time at which he did it, and then the way things become public with him telling that team, hey, I think you're a top-four team, and then turning around a day later and telling you know, the LSU players why he's there and, and why he's not a Notre Dame, it, just, it all seems hypocritical. But probably nothing worse than the, uh, the Southern accent that was de- displayed last night at the basketball <laughs> game in Baton Rouge. That, was, uh, that took the cake, though. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure you're ever coming back to that. Uh, well, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Notre Dame made it official. Marcus Freeman is the new head coach, and we have exclusive audio of him taking over. And, you know, he is embracing the culture at Notre Dame. Ah, Brady, I just wanted to say it's, an, it's a real pleasure and an honor to be made the head coach of the Fighting Irish. See? 
I mean, it, yeah. it happened there in South Bend, and it happened to uh, Brian Kelly, you know, at LSU. <laughs> It's weird how it works out like that, you know. You just you find yourself in that, you know, that top position. You feel like you gotta assimilate and, and, and fit in and all that. But uh, no, I mean, look, I'm happy for Marcus. I, I think he, you know, not only he'll continually get better and better and better as a head coach. I mean, he continued to improve just as a defensive coordinator. You know, the players love him. You see the energy around that place. He kept everything intact. I mean, look at it. How many coaches went with Brian Kelly to, to LSU? If that gives you kind of any indication of how they feel about Notre Dame, the rest of the coaches on that staff, the players in that locker room, and their opportunity moving forward, uh, it kind of just goes to show you that you know they they feel differently than the head coach felt, obviously leaving. So yeah, uh, the reality is they're hoping he'll be kind of like Mike Tomlin, who took over, who hadn't been a head coach before, but took over at Pittsburgh. You know, was able to win a Super Bowl. You know, it was able to really, you know, have a, have a ton of success since he's been there, especially relatively early. I, I think that's the hope there at Notre Dame and what you're looking at with Marcus Freeman. Brady will be part of Fox on-site pregame show in Indianapolis on Saturday night. It's Iowa and Michigan in the Big Ten title game. Pregame show starts at 7 Eastern with kickoff at 8 Eastern. Uh, watching uh, last night with Taysom Hill and the Taysom Hill experiment. I said, you know, you got to decide. You want to play him, then go all in as, as your quarterback. Like, you, you want him to be Lamar Jackson, then then let's try to make him Lamar Jackson. But uh, and what do you make of the, uh, the Taysom Hill experiment? Well, I think it's hard to make him Lamar Jackson if you've got 10 other guys who have to adapt to a completely different style of offense. I mean, it, I don't care if it was Drew Brees last year or uh, Jameis Winston when, when he was starting this year, that's a different offense than what you're going to run with Taysom Hill if you want to make him that than, than what you're you know, running with Jameis Winston or Drew Brees in the past. So that's more of the difficulty is, and that's why I think you, you see that kind of, you need like an offseason to really adapt and adjust to that and find the type of personnel that you need at the wide receiver tight end positions to make it work. But I, I think at this point, we kind of know what Taysom Hill is as a quarterback. I think we know what kind of offense they have to try to run and, in order to be successful. So that, you know, I don't want to call it an experiment, uh, you know, or just whatever decision that Sean Payton made at this point. I, I think the tough thing for them moving forward is deciding on, like, what is our quarterback situation? Did Jameis Winston show us enough? Do they want to turn it over to Ian Book, which would be what I would do right now, and see what he's capable of doing? You drafted him for a reason. You should probably know where you're at with, with every quarterback on this roster as you head into 2022, whether that's if you're looking for a veteran you know, to trade or who would be a, a free agent, or if you're looking in the draft again at one of these quarterbacks in the first round, you, you better have a good feel for what everyone's capable of doing where you're at at that position. So at this point, I, I think we've seen enough to kind of know what he is and what he's not. And I think he's more valuable to their team as that Swiss Army knife, as opposed to, you know, playing quarterback around a, a group that's just not, I don't think the roster's built to play like that. I think they're more built for a pocket pass or a Drew Brees or Jameis Winston. If we did a redraft with Micah Parsons, so Trevor Lawrence, stop me where you would put Micah Parsons. Trevor Lawrence goes number one, Zach Wilson goes number two. Trey Lance goes. Well, I mean, I think you'd already start there saying maybe Mac Jones goes number two if it's going to be another quarterback taken. But yeah. Okay. But where's Micah Parsons go? Um, Would you take I mean, him? Somewhat... Like if you're the Atlanta with Kyle Pitts, uh, 
Bengals got a great player in Jamar Chase. Uh, Jalen Waddell has played well in Miami. Yeah. Uh, Penny yeah. Sewell uh, in Detroit. Um, J.C. Horn. I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. He was, if you're just looking at the overall prospects and taking out positions, I mean, he was one of, without a doubt, a top five prospect. So if you're ranking it that way, I mean, based on his ability to play off the ball, on the ball, rush the pass, all that stuff, I mean, he's freakishly athletic. He was a top prospect. You know, you would have looked at him as, you know, could he help any team that he got drafted to and immediately have an impact, and eventually you could see him wearing a gold jacket someday. Yeah. And so you could probably have stopped at the Jets at two and said if they didn't have a huge need at quarterback, but they did. So they, they, you really can't go that direction there. And then as you proceed through the rest of the draft, you know, San Francisco, could they have used him? Sure. But they wanted to go after Trey Lance because maybe they feel like he's more of the future. They didn't want to pass up on that. So we can go through the draft, but the reality is he was probably a top four, top three prospect uh, at, at, you know, overall, if you just took away all the positions and what he had put on tape and how he was going to test and how he's going to segue into the NFL. Why do we put designations on players? Because Micah Parsons went from being a linebacker to we need you as an edge rusher and you get paid as an edge rusher. You don't get paid as a linebacker. And right. I think that's going to be interesting to watch is, you know, how he's listed. But Micah Parsons is sort of a T.J. Watt kind of player and, uh, you know, should be up there for defensive player of the year. Because this was this is one of the worst defenses statistically in the history of the sport. And he, along with Diggs and Dan Quinn, um, have really made them presentable, at least, and at times formidable. Well, you'd have to say it was a little bit of luck. I mean, he started playing off the edge like that because of injuries. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily where they were originally going to put him. And that's usually how this all works out, right? Like Tom Brady ended up in New England out of, you know, luck. He got drafted in the sixth round. He turned out to be the greatest player of all time. So that's a piece of it. I think how Dan Quinn uses him is, is a part of it, too. Understanding his background, he had played defensive end in the past. When you saw him rush the passer at Penn State, you understood he could be able to get pressures, he could get to the quarterback. So all those things kind of added up to his ability to do it. But you have to have a coaching staff that's willing to, that's, that's going to be willing to look at his stature and size and say, can he still set the edge? Can he still play stout on that side? even though he's not your typical you know, 4-3 defensive end and what that body style looks like. So um, it, it's a little bit of luck. It's coaching. It's obviously the abilities of Micah Parsons, who can pick that sort of stuff up as a young player in this league, which probably is, is the most impressive thing. It's just you talk about football IQ. A guy who could play off the ball like that, where he was probably originally designated to play, and now he plays on the ball, and he's able to do it flawlessly. I mean, it's not even like he's hit a rookie wall or you feel like he's had a bad game. Wire to wire, he's been phenomenal uh, this entire season for them. So, uh, obviously, you've got to give him a ton of credit, too, to the way he's kind of devoted himself. And I know he didn't play last year at Penn State, so maybe you know that was part of it, too. He was preparing himself for understanding the NFL game uh, as he was sitting out last year. More likely to see a surprise, Michigan, Iowa, or Georgia, Alabama? Well, if you're, if you're going to look at the betting lines, you would say Alabama because that's at least a closer spread. Uh, and I'd probably say Alabama, too, just because they've got a couple of absolute stars. I, I feel I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Will Anderson as being in that conversation along with Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, it, you know, Will Anderson's been a part of a defense that gets overshadowed by Georgia because Georgia's been so 
so good. I mean, they remind me of like the 93 Florida State defense, if, if we go back that far. But, I mean, you know, they're second to Georgia in almost every category for the most part. He's been a big reason why. And so you could throw his name into that list of, of Heisman candidates. But they've got him on one side and they've got Bryce Young on the other. And if there's, like, two guys who can really and truly impact the game, it's at that edge position and it's at the quarterback spot. And, and Bryce Young makes up for so many uh, of their issues up front, whether schematically on their offensive line or just mismatches. And, and this will be a tough one for them. You know, every single week he makes some throws and plays that you just go, no, no one else is really doing this in college football. And he's only a freshman. So I, I think – George is the team that probably you would say in, in this championship weekend uh, of the teams that are in contention for the playoff is the one that you might put on upset alert uh, just because of the stars that they have on each side of the football at Bama. Great to talk to you. Safe travels to Indy, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Brady. Sounds good. Thanks. It's, uh, Brady Quinn, Fox Sports College and NFL game analyst, and, uh, of course, Fox Sports Radio co-host, two pros and a cup of Joe. That's with LeVar Arrington, Jonas Knox. That show precedes ours weekday mornings on Fox Sports Radio. We say good morning to our radio affiliates around the country and also Peacock, our streaming partner. Download the app you can watch for free. We'll take a break. Phone calls coming up. Settle on our poll question. Play of the day up next here, Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup since start. Fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, my God. The play. The play is called play. Of the day. This is the play of the day. Check this out. Taysom Hill can probably Flag run. as Parson as uh, Hill throws its intercepted at the 25. Down the left side into the end zone. That is a touchdown. It's Carlos Watkins. Carlos Watkins, a defensive tackle. That's courtesy of 105.3 The Fan, the Cowboys radio network. Cowboys have four interception returns for touchdowns this season. Tied for the most in a season since the Bears had five in 2018. That's your play of the day. It's brought to you by the GLA from Mercedes-Benz. Proves it's not the size of the SUV in the fight. Size of the fight in the SUV. Learn more about the nimble and ready for anything Mercedes-Benz vehicle. MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. In case you're wondering, Taysom Hill throwing four interceptions, the most interceptions by a Saints quarterback since Drew Brees was picked off five times by the Falcons in 2012. Here's another stat that you probably didn't know about and you probably don't want to join Taysom Hill is one of two players in NFL history with at least 100 yards rushing and four interceptions in a game. The other quarterback, oh, you would be really hard-pressed to figure this one out. Oh, you know what? I'm going to let Todd try to answer this. 
He played for the Denver Broncos, rushed for over 100 yards, and threw at least four interceptions in the same game. Ooh. Steve Berline. Steve Berline is not the answer. Paulie? I don't know his name per se, but he's that wide receiver kid when everyone got COVID and they had to play last year. No. Oh! This happened against the Chicago Bears in December of 1976. I'll give you another hint. He succeeded Archie Manning at Mississippi. He was the next quarterback in line, played for the Broncos, had great hair, feathered hair. Norris Weiss. Norris Weiss. Nice. Whoa. Stat of the day. Stat of the day. Here Here comes comes that that one. Stat of the day. Uh, Pat in Chicago leads us off this morning. Good morning, Pat. What's on your mind? Hey, Dan, 61180. I'll make a quick comment here about the uh, Marcus Freeman hire. Um, How much uh, do you think uh, maybe salary went into it? Um, You know, they were over... Not overpaying Brian Kelly, but they gave him a lot. And then, you know, the whole Charlie Weiss debacle getting over that after 10 years. Um, I think money, I don't think money's an issue, Pat, with the Irish. I don't think that, you know, you're not going to pay him as much as Brian Kelly was making, probably uh, in-house hire. So I don't think money is a, a big issue there. Thank you, though. It's not like there's a salary cap at Notre Dame. And you're keeping Tommy Reese, so you don't have to... You know, it really says a lot about Marcus Freeman, Notre Dame, that no assistant coaches left to go with Brian Kelly as of, as of yeah. I mean, nobody is. Tommy Reese decided to stay. And I think that cannot be overstated, the importance of Notre Dame wanting continuity. You keep your offensive coordinator, you promote your defensive coordinator, and coming up at the top of the hour, you're going to hear why – Notre Dame is in love with Marcus Freeman and why the players at Notre Dame are in love with Marcus Freeman. Have that for you coming up. Uh, Andrew in Washington. Hi, Andrew. What's on your mind today? Well, Dan, I'd like to say I'm from southern Washington. Okay. And, uh, you know, we tend to have a feeling here. You know, you get to the south. I lived there for six years in North Carolina during my adult life. And I'll say... That southern accent, something that sticks to you, just like collard greens or hush puppies when you get down there. I'd like to weigh in on the poll question. Now, I'm I'm bad, you know, Taysom Hill is not a bad experiment. There's no bad experiments. We'll support him. We'll hold him up and, and get him on his way. A little few interceptions won't get in the way. He can run really fast, and he can know how to throw that ball. So it's all good there. But I understand, Brian Kelly, I might live in Washington State now, but I did visit and live in North Carolina for six years in that southern accent, I'll tell you. Yeah, I can I can I can hear it, Andrew. Thank you. I can hear it. Absolutely. It's there. Uh let's see. And you know, the Taysom Hill situation with throwing four interceptions, he did run for over a hundred yards, but he injured his finger. I don't know how much that played into him throwing these interceptions. But, you know, sometimes you can be in love with somebody to a fault. We've all had, it feels like, you know, a a significant other or a a car. Like you fall in love and you go, God, I can't get rid of it. You know what? I can restore that car. You know what? 
I love her, but I, she might not be the best for me. Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. Like he's in a relationship where it might not be a good relationship. Because I got a guy who does a lot of things. And I do love the value that you have in that. But you've committed to him. And if you're going to pay him, then, then play him. I don't want to have four downs, you know, where Taysom Hill plays. Cordero Patterson doesn't cost what Taysom Hill does. And Patterson might be going to the Hall of Fame. Taysom Hill is fascinating, but that doesn't mean he's good. And accuracy was always an issue that I had with him. Going back to college, we had him on, I don't know if it was his junior year, then he got hurt, but he was putting up big numbers there. You know, we followed this trajectory, this arc. But they're paying him. They're paying him more than they're going to pay Alvin Kamara. And this is a team that we thought was a playoff team. And last night, you know, you'd never think that. Uh, Wesley in South Carolina. Hey, Wes, what's on your mind? So, Dan, you open up the show making fun of some Southern sayings. And at some point during Brian Kelly's spiel, I was hoping he was going to drop one of my all-time favorites, which is you better bring your sack lunch because ain't nothing for me to whoop a man's ass. Okay. All right. I like that, Wes. And I'm not making fun. I'm just picking up on what Brian Kelly is saying there. I lived in the South. Hot Atlanta a few years. I'm just having fun with the accent. Relax. I don't think he was upset. Oh, I don't. I think Wes was talking about kicking my ass. I think he talked about... What's he telling you? So in that saying, dang, I shouldn't have hung up on him. Do you have to bring your lunch or does Wes have to bring his lunch? Because it ain't nothing for him to kick a man's ass. Does that mean... Should, so you, should you bring a lunch or is he going to be hungry from kicking your ass mm. in that expression? Well, I just invite him in for Meat Friday. You know? Then he doesn't have to pack a lunch. I got, I got uh, Diablo grilled chicken thighs and balsamic Brussels sprouts with bacon. Boom. Oh. Yeah. Yes, Paul. Dan, as a person who's gotten his ass kicked a handful of times <laughs> in my life, you do want to have a well-balanced meal beforehand. You don't want to be thinking about what you're eating as you're getting. Okay. Yeah. Might have yeah. Sore. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing my Brian Kelly impersonation. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> There's no doubt that after I lived in West Virginia for almost a year, I just was speaking different. But that was almost a year, <laughs> Seton. This is 72 hours. And it's a year I remember almost none of. But I do know that when I came back from... Uh, West Virginia, my friends in New Jersey were like, where are you from? <laughs> what uh, what, what do y'all mean? <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. God, when I heard that speech by Brian Kelly. My family. Family. There was like family had like four syllables in it. A little sweet tea. <laughs> I was like, wait. It was almost like, is this a Saturday Night Live skit? It's too good to be true. Wait till you hear the Notre Dame players reacting to their new head coach. Woo-wee. One hour of the books, two more to go on this Friday. Dan Patrick Show. One more item. We close out first hour. Puerto Rico, the new go-to destination for quality investment opportunities. But finding the right projects to invest in can be a pretty tall task. Impeller takes the guesswork out of all of that. Impeller is a new online tool. 
spearheaded by Invest Puerto Rico that facilitates connections between investors and on-island projects looking for capital. Discover innovative projects across all sectors, from healthcare to tech to clean energy, visitor economies, and commercial real estate. Impeller's easy-to-use features allow you to get right to the deal. Plus, you can find out about financials, company background, leadership, performance needs, and a whole lot more, so you make an informed decision when investing in Puerto Rico. Impeller, the smart move, the right move for making the most of your investments. Visit investpr.org forward slash impeller, I-M-P-E-L-L-E-R. Impeller, your hub for investment opportunities in Puerto Rico, powered by Invest Puerto Rico.